Hey, this is Scotty Vermillion. I want to thank you for tuning in to the Daniel Boone podcast today. We would like to invite you to worship with us at Daniel Boone Baptist Church in Gate City, Virginia on Sunday mornings at 11 o'clock. Or you can join us on Facebook for live sermons and daily interactions that will keep you in touch with God and in step with His kingdom. Good to see everybody again. We do not have children's church today. Some of the stuff that... uh, that I've got is, is for you today, too, as well. Okay, so uh, that's where we're at. It's pretty neat when God confirms a word. Uh, I've, I've kind of sought all week what to preach about and uh, not had clarity all week. I mean, not had anything. And I've taken pages and notes, read chapters of, in books, not a whole lot of chapters, but a couple. I'm not going to act like I read the whole book of Matthew or anything. But I read a couple chapters, and I couldn't get to where... God wanted me to get to and you know basically in, in where I'm coming from uh, in this situation I like I want to pray that God gives it to me and then I want to sit down and then I want him to give it to me you know what I'm talking about that's kind of how I want to happen but I don't get to choose the vehicle do I that he delivers his his word to me through and it was really a text last night that re that confirmed something that he spoke to me this morning from a friend uh, that confirmed the word that that you're going to get today. It's a word I've given before to different groups. I've given it at coaches clinics uh, across the state, and I've also given it to a leadership class uh, at our school. And I want to share it with you because it's uh, it's, it's very powerful and it's it's simple. It's a word for life. Okay, so that's where we're going today. I do want to say, no children's church. You guys are with us today. And uh, at the end, keep it on. Seems like there's one more announcement. Oh, Elena and Dave, isn't this cool how they did that? They got married here with their family present um, yesterday. It was a sweet, beautiful time. And so I just asked if we asked them if they cared if we left this stuff up just so you can see it. They wanted to share that with you and this as well. Uh, it was just a beautiful time uh, in the Lord yesterday. And uh, they're on their way to their honeymoon. So they'll be gone for a couple weeks. But it was, it's really neat to see uh, the Lord uh, bless both of them. I've known Dave for a little while, and he's prayed for her long before he before he met her, uh, and I prayed with him. And to see that union is, is very touching. And you can see in the back, they they did a little thing as a it's a cord of three strands, and they wove it together. The purple is his life, the white is her life, and the gold strand is is the presence of God. And so they wove that together, and and that's that'll be a part of uh, one of the scriptures that I'll read today. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 where it talks about a threefold cord is not easily broken and that's where two come together with the Lord and as you grow closer to God you grow closer to each other in a marriage but let's go uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer and uh, and ask him to bless this time God we uh, we give you these next few minutes Lord our undivided attention in your word really is what I'm asking for and I pray that you would dismiss me and use uh, what you have given use that to teach and to and to minister to people's hearts today because God really what we want to leave leave here with today is is some instruction on how we are to walk because this this world's tough and God I pray that you give us some instruction on how how to go like we talked last week go give and gather well today we're going to focus on how do you do this go thing how do we live with purpose. So that's my prayer and desire, and I pray, God, that you would dismiss me and use my tongue today in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Um, Haggai chapter 1, verse 7 says this. I ran across this uh, a couple weeks ago. 
put on a sticky note in my office and uh sometimes when i run across stuff and i guess you guys probably do it too if it speaks to you 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 put it somewhere you know you got time to really focus on then it comes back up and it came back up this week but the lord says this basically what was happening is the people of god were not seeing fruit from their their labors and there were some reasons why okay it's because of the way they were living uh, but God said this, he says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. He said, give careful thought to your ways. And so our verse today is Haggai 1-7, give careful thought to your ways. The title of today's message is live with purpose. Because last week we talked about uh, going, giving, and gathering. Y'all remember that? For the new year, that's kind of our instruction to go, to live life, to do what we do. And then to be generous, to give, and then obviously to come together with the people of God and to gather, gather together in times like this. And I just want to talk to you a little bit about life today. Um, I don't have a specific outline. I don't have a bulletin for you. I just got some information that I think the Lord wants me to give to you. And we're going to talk about purpose because I believe living with purpose, living life with purpose is important. And when I refer to coaching, I think about uh, my first few years when I was trying to figure it out. The Really, the only purpose I had in my mind, and I didn't know it then, but I know it now, was to play hard and try to win. You know, that was the purpose. But more specifically is, is how do you win, you know? And the same thing can be said about life. How do we receive the blessings of God? How do we fight through trials, tribulations, and struggles the biblical way? Uh, and and again, I was I was uh, confirmed in several ways yesterday. But the union of Dave and Elena confirmed a couple things to me because Dave, for many many months uh, that we have been walking this thing out together, has put away some things and said, "This is what the Bible says, so this is what I'm going to do." And he has seen astronom an exponential amount of fruit from doing it God's way and so that's what I'll talk to you today about his purpose and I think it's important number one to know where you're going because it, it says this it's a wonderful quote there's no reason to board the bus much less buy a ticket if you don't know where you're going and why who would get on a bus to to wherever where are you going I don't know just getting on the bus and so many of us live life that way to get from dawn to dusk you know just to get through the day. And, and that's one of the enemy's tactics, guys, is to make us so busy and so stressed that we can't focus enough on what God says about it and how God says to walk and how the Bible teaches us to live life. So you got to know where you're going, okay? You need to have a plan. It doesn't necessarily mean, if I speak about myself personally, it doesn't necessarily mean that when I go to college, I need to know exactly what I'm going to do as a career or even what I want as a degree. It just simply means that I know I want a degree that will better my opportunity for employment or or whatever, you know. And so I know where I'm going. So uh, I think it's important to start well. Um, and I'll give you a, a college uh, example. My freshman year in college, I knew I wanted to play ball, but that was about it. And so at the end of my first semester, I had a 1.4 GPA. Now, y'all know that's not good. And Coach... My coach says, uh, if this doesn't change and get above 2.0, uh, you know, what little bit of money I get, I'm giving you is gone. And so that's how that went. And so I had to get serious. And so at the end, I will tell you that at the end, I, I graduated. I, ain't, I wasn't summa cum laude or anything, but, you know, it was at least a 3.0. You know, I got it up there. But I think it's important to start well, no matter what you're doing, even if you don't like it. 
You know, some of the things in life, uh, biblically speaking even, you know, what, where did Jesus, where did God lead Jesus right after he was baptized? Y'all remember? To the wilderness to be tempted by the enemy. And so that was an uncomfortable thing for, for the man God, Jesus. And that's kind of like us. We're going to find ourselves in some uncomfortable places. But start well and finish well. Finish what you start. you got to have priorities. Priorities are important. You need to know where you're going, not only where you're going, but how you're going to get there. You know what I mean? you got to know you're going to board a bus. So what does that look like? Having priorities. Um, and then uh, lastly, honor other people's uh, investment in you. And, uh, you know, young people, that is, that's really for you. You need to honor the investment your parents have made uh, in your life. And, and other organizations have made investments in your life. Uh, teachers and coaches and, and different things like that. And you're to honor them by the way you live. When I, when I was growing up, I thought of just a few people when I started to do wrong. I thought of my mom. But then I thought of my coach. You know, I had a coach or two that cared deeply about me. And I thought about them. I thought about my Sunday school teacher. You know, I thought about those people that invested in me. And so when you think about establishing your purpose, because we were created for a purpose. Young people, you were created for a purpose. You weren't randomly just thrown out there. God doesn't do that. Okay, when God creates life, he has a reason for it. And I want to talk about life for just a minute. Ecclesiastes chapter 5. 18 through 20 says this. Listen to what Solomon says. He's, he's full of wisdom. He says, This is what I have observed to be good, that it is appropriate for a person to eat, to drink, and to find satisfaction in their toilsome labor under the sun during the few days of life that God has given them. For this is their lot. Moreover, when God gives someone wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot and be happy in their toil, this is a gift of God. They seldom reflect on the days of their life because God keeps them occupied with gladness of heart. You know, I've heard it many ways, but being content with what you have and with what God's given you and really focusing on those things is really more fruitful and profitable than always being so eager to prosper that it stresses you out. And that's the world we're living in, you know. When you go to college, young people, you're going you're to find that a lot of the things they teach you is selfish things. You know, to get all you can, to store it up, not give it away, uh, and save it for, uh, for yourselves. And that's not necessarily uh, the right thing. We talked about that last week about being generous. But the thing I want to say about life is this. You can only do a few things well. Uh, at one point in time I had in this presentation three. I don't, I don't want to put it to a number, okay? But I will say you can't do much more than three things well, okay? We've all heard jacks, jack of all trades, master of none, but I want to talk about your life for just a second because I believe that where you put your time and energy is where you'll see the most fruit. And there's only so much time, and I only have so much energy. Does anybody else agree with me? I only have so much to give. And so you have to prioritize where you're going to give those things because here's the thing about it. When you're good at something, It'll be hard for you to see it, but other people see it. And when you're good at something, they will try to add to or try to steal you. It's like people who are good. Uh, you, hey, and you're good. He can be as loud as he wants to be. But when, when, uh, when you're good at something, sometimes people will want to, want to assign a responsibility to you that doesn't fit your wheelhouse. And if you accept that, then what ends up happening is you become not so good at the thing you were good at because you're now watering down your time. You hear what I'm saying? 
And so you can only do a few things well, and where you put your time and energy is where you're going to succeed. And for, these are just mine. Mine used to be coached. The principal pastor part was coach, and I don't do that anymore. God's called me away from that. Uh, but the first two's mine, and and uh, are, are the three things that I put down here are, are kind of where I, I believe that I need to spend my time. I need to prioritize my time in those places. Does that make sense to you? And I'll see fruit in those places. The Bible talks about that. Um, but you can't do everything well. It's very difficult. I want to throw this in there about marriage because so so often people don't want to talk about these uncomfortable things because I understand that divorce is a part of life. We get that. And that's, that sometimes people part and go different ways. That's okay. Uh, I want to talk about marriage real quick, okay? I'll give you a couple things. One is this one. The grass isn't greener on the other side. It's greener where you water it and fertilize it. Now, here's the catch on that. When you have two people with the same intent growing together towards the Lord, it'll work. It'll work. God will, God will cause that to work. When you have two going in opposite directions, it's very difficult, okay? And, and that's another sermon for another day or another discussion. But I'm talking about a marriage. The grass isn't greener on the other side, and you all know what I'm talking about. It's greener where you fertilize it and water it, okay? And it takes two. Matter of fact, I think it takes three, and that three, that threefold cord in the back is what I'm talking about. You get you get closer to the Lord, and you weave yourself, uh, do it God's way, and God will bless it. Um, I will say this about young marriages. Dave and I were laughing yesterday. He said, uh, he said, well, the thing about Elena and I are that we're we're at an age where we we know what we're getting. You know what I mean? Um, when you're young, you don't really know. That's what we said when at Eli. We just don't really know. You, you think you know, but you don't really know. See, when you're a young married couple, it's like you really get you get busy trying to argue your point and stand your ground and making it work that way. But as you grow older, after 20 or 30 years together, you really you don't do that anymore. What you end up doing then is trying to understand from the other perspective and coming to a place of union. You see what I mean? Instead of forcing your opinion or your way of understanding you try to understand it from the other side and we'll talk about that in a few minutes as well but i believe this is true where you spend your time and energy is where you'll see the most fruit it says here i don't know what your destiny will be but one thing that i do know is the only ones among you who will be really happy are those who have sought and found how to serve i will say that the most fruitful rewarding times in my life are times when i was serving someone else would you all agree with that and so when you learn and find a way to do that, and this church does that so well, uh, you guys serve uh, each other so well. And I want to talk to you about the very impressive person. Young people, listen to what I'm going to tell you here, okay? Very impressive person greets everyone with a smile and a hearty handshake. And he makes you feel that he means it when he says he's glad to meet you. And he makes you glad to meet him. He walks with a sprightly step and speaks with a laugh in his voice. He listens with interest and speaks with conviction and makes you feel that you've known him all your life. He doesn't seem to try to impress yet. He is most impressive. He never tries pressing to persuade, yet you always come away convinced. He's the kind of guy we enjoy being around because he is what we all secretly would like to be, someone who enjoys being himself, or I would say it's someone who is comfortable in their own skin. You know what I'm talking about? And has figured out their calling. It has a purpose and lives with a purpose. Uh, Albert Schweitzer says, I have decided to let my life be my argument. 
and and we we say it in all kinds of ways, but really your life is your example. We think about giving a testimony, and we're all a little bit scared sometimes when we say give your testimony about how the Lord's changed you. But really, your testimony and your funeral are being lived out. You know what I mean? Uh, day by day. I want to talk to you about honor and integrity. Do you know what integrity actually means? It means being the same everywhere. Integer. Okay. And so when you think about honor and integrity, these are some things that will influence your, your integrity. And, and it's super important that we guard our integrity. Uh, one is your word. It's important, young folks, old folks, mid-aged folks, it's important to be a man or woman of your word. Now, don't spend too much time on the past where you've let somebody down that stuff needs to go. That's why Jesus came, to forgive us of those things and to help us to move forward. What you got to do is from, from, from here forward is to be a man or a woman of your word because really you're only as good as your word. Have you ever heard that? I've heard it my whole life. You're only as good as your word. If you give somebody your word on something, uh, you know, fulfill it. Now that's a dangerous thing too because, and we'll talk about that in a few minutes, because sometimes you can overdo it. You can take on too much. Raise your hand if you've ever took on too much in life. Okay, you understand what I'm talking about. Sometimes you can take on too much. You've got to have some wisdom and, and be able to say no. We're going to look at that in a minute. But you're only as good as your word. And I believe that you need to be careful how you speak your words. <clears throat> for whatever reason, the Lord has brought my attention to that for several years on how I say what I say. Because I hear, I hear things all the time. And, and we'll get parents in, in my office with, with uh, students who are of the age. They're 15, 16, 17 years old. And they will say things like, they've never been real smart. Or, you know, or they have an anger problem. Or they ha- or, you know, and they'll identify things that really is not necessarily true. It might be forming. And it could possibly become a reality. But we know that as young people grow, they're, they're full, not fully formed to about age 25 in their brain. And so it's important that we don't plant stuff that doesn't need to be planted. You know, the way you say things to people, um, if I were to say to one of my players, you're soft. Now what that means is when I say you're soft, that identifies a character trait when what I really need to say, because toughness is a choice. Would you all agree with that? It's a choice. It's the way you do what you do over and over and over again. I get to choose to be tough, okay? Now, when I say that play right there, that thing you just did, that wasn't, you didn't show much toughness right there. You need to build up your toughness. It might take a few more words, but I can get the same point across and maybe even encourage and not condemn. And so the way you speak is important. And many of us do it, and I'm going to tell you something, be careful what you put in print. You know what I mean? When you write things down or put it online, man, that stuff, people take a picture of that, you know. And it doesn't, you don't mean it like you say it. You see what I'm talking about? But you said it. Our words speak life and our words speak death. Now, I've, I've preached on this before, and some things need to be spoken death to. Sometimes you need to speak death to stuff. You know, if your children, comes home, if your children come home from a... Uh, you know, a ball game or a school day or whatever, and they and they tell you something that is that just doesn't sit right biblically and, and doesn't doesn't fit into your spiritual wheelhouse, so to speak. You need to speak death to it. Now, now I'm not saying be mean or, or or condemning, but sometimes we need to speak death to things because here's the deal: some things are just wrong. 
Okay, some things are wrong, and and if children, you guys and young folks, you're going to hear some stuff in your friend groups that have been taught at their homes that is not exactly biblically correct. Okay, does that make sense to you? And so you may, as parents, as and honestly, some people have more influence on your kids than you do. Find those people, you know, and, and make sure you're communicating with them in certain places in life. Now, now make no mistake, I believe I have more influence in my, my two than anybody else. However, there are certain seasons of life where they think I'm crazy. You know what I'm talking about? And I understand that. So it's important the environment you allow them to be a part of. And then when they get older, they have to choose their own environment. But your words speak life and your words speak death. How do I know this? Because Proverbs 18.21, Solomon says, the most wise man that ever was, he says, the tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it, here's what that means. Those who like to talk, those who like to use their words, will eat the fruit of what they say. You know those people that are dynamic, tremendous leaders and preachers and teachers, they figured out that they can use their words to influence a group of people, okay? And it goes both ways. You can influence for good and you can influence for bad. But be careful what you speak. Greatness defined. This is, this is from Scotty to you. This is greatness defined, and I stole all this stuff. But one thing is you can't be anything that you want to be. I heard that growing up. You can do anything you want to. You can be anything you want to be. And in my spirit, I'm like, yeah, I can. That's awesome, you know. But but somewhere in my spirit, I was like, I don't know. I've jumped about as high as I possibly can jump. And I've worked on jumping. And I still can't jump over two inches off the ground, you know. <clears throat> That's a physical thing that I'm talking to you about. But also, if God created you for a purpose, don't you think he had the purpose in mind before he created you? Don't you believe that? I believe that. I believe he had a work for me before I was ever born. He's that kind of a God. He's, he's that big and, and all-knowing. But you can't be anything you want to be. I don't believe that garbage that you hear sometimes in school. But you can be anything you deserve to be and anything that you're created to be. Now, here's what that means to me. Okay, and I can throw it your way, and you can disagree with me if you want. This is a Scottyism. I believe that you're created for a purpose. Now, how, however... However God uses you and whatever you work on, great. But you can't be something you don't deserve to be. You know what I'm talking about? Like you can't shoot a high percentage from the three-point line if you never work on it. If you decide at age 13, when I get to be an 18-year-old, I'm going to be the best three-point shooter there is and never take a three-point shot, it's impossible. Do you all understand that? It's impossible to be something you don't deserve to be. There's a price to pay for everything. There are no shortcuts, no magic pills. There's only one path, and that's through hard work. And we who have lived a while understand that, okay? Through hard work. It doesn't always mean physical work, but whatever field or whatever calling or whatever place that God has placed you, it's, you're going to have to work at it. And I love this example. I've heard it a few times. There's two types of animals, wild animals. There's a zoo animal. There's a lion that's in a cage in a zoo. And then there's a lion that's in, that's in the jungle, Okay. Now, both of those animals eat, true? Both of them eat. The one in the zoo eats at the mercy of someone else. They bring them food, and they get conditioned to be fed. Now, if you take that lion at full age after he's been fed his whole life and you turn him loose in the jungle, he's going to be crazy, and he ain't going to know how to hunt. You see what I'm saying? He didn't learn how. He's a zoo animal. And so are you going to be a zoo animal? and wait for somebody to feed you? 
Wait for somebody to serve you. Wait for somebody to bless you. I, I said this two or three weeks ago from this very place. I said, God doesn't bless things that you're not willing to work at or do. He's, you can't sit and pray for God's blessing. Please pour out prosperity on me and then sit down and wait for him to do it. It don't work that way. Okay. It don't work that way. Now, sometimes you might get lucky and get an inheritance, win the lottery. I don't know. Sometimes that may happen for you. But that is not the biblical or the norm. And usually if you get it in a way that's not through work, it won't last long because you won't, you won't have a respect for it because you didn't earn it. So there's a way, if you're a wild animal, that you learn how to hunt for food. And young people, that's just it. You can be anything you deserve to be and anything God's created you to be. And if you go after it like a wild animal, you'll get it. You'll get it. Nobody can hold you back. I heard a sermon yesterday that said, Jesus is mine and nobody can take him away from me. From me. And that's the same thing here. If God's called you to a purpose, then you will fulfill your purpose as you seek after him and you do according to his word. Okay? Now, when it's only about you, then do what's best for you. This is the world when you go to college that you will be tempted to buy into. When it's only about you, do what's best for you. But when it's about something bigger than you, and when you have children or you have a family and you start thinking about that unit, guess what? You feel it, don't you? It's bigger than you now. When it's bigger than you, it's about something, uh, when it's about something bigger than you, you must do what's right, not, what, not what's best. You can't always make the best decision for yourself. You've got to make the right decision for the entire organization. And then lastly, you'll never regret doing the right thing. And I believe that people that truly succeed long term are people who do the right thing over and over and over and over for the right reasons. I believe God blesses that. Influence. Our example is not the main thing in influencing other people, but it's the only thing. It's the most powerful thing we have. And the two most powerful tools we have are love and patience. Straight out of the Word of God. Love and patience. We may not always realize that everything we do affects not only our lives, but it touches other people too. Everything we do. And it says here, constant kindness can accomplish much. As the sun makes ice melt, kindness makes understanding, mistrust, and hostility to evaporate. And so be kind. Now this is one of my favorite ones. I put it out a few year, a couple years ago, I think on our webpage or on our Facebook page. I want to read it to you. It's a good one. Eight things that leaders simply cannot do. And you can't see that from the back. I'm going to read it to you. But these are some things that leaders cannot do. Number one, you cannot make everyone happy. Galatians 1.10, Paul says this. Paul says, am, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? Okay, if you've ever tried to please a, a group of people, how did that turn out for you? Not Larry says, that this don't work. <laughs> it just ain't going to work. It's true. It's true. Now, I'm not saying not do right and not serve people. That's not what I'm saying. But in a leadership role, are you trying to please people? Or if I were still trying to please people and not God, I would not be a servant of Christ. Or are you a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ? And are you doing it according to his, his plan? And can you do this in a worldly organization? Absolutely. I don't have to mention the name of Christ at all ever in my role, but guess what? I can live it, can't I? Because it's our example. It's our example that speaks more loudly than our words. Number two, you cannot think that you can argue or defend yourself all the time, especially on social media. And I'm not going to read what it says out there, 
on that, but I want you to read it. It's impossible to get your point across without it getting all over you and making a mess of things. You hear what I'm saying? Especially on social media. Young people, you need to know that. And I'll be honest with you, not many people really care what you think about what they think. They already think what they think anyway. Okay, Let God deal with that. Number three, you cannot ignore a problem and believe it. By doing so, it will go away. Has anybody ever tried to do that? Hey, it'll get fixed. Just ignore it. Not a big deal. Listen, if it is a big deal, you better address it. It's not going to go away. Number four, you cannot compromise your integrity ever. That means you need to be the same. I've said this many times in my organization, in, in, in school, my colleagues. Folks who come in my office, if, if they're meaner than almost as mean as the devil, you know, I can handle it if they're like that everywhere and if they are who they are and they're real. The, the things we struggle with, and I know you do too, is someone who is a, and we're all hypocrites to a certain degree, but someone who says one thing does the other or will tell you one thing and then go back and tell somebody something else. There's no integrity in that. That doesn't mean you're the same everywhere. That means you're a two, two-faced person, you know. And so we need to be careful about our integrity and never compromise it. Number five, you cannot believe that you always had the best ideas and that the people you're working with would not be able to function without you. Although that's tempting to think sometimes, you know. But you can't always think you got the best ideas because you don't. And in coaching, that's an important thing. When you look out at the best ones, they put people around them that not that are not going to say yes all the time, but are there, but are going to say, "Why do we do it this way? And could this work better this way?" And it's a mutual type of respect type thing. But number six, you can't be good at everything. Remember, I said earlier, three or four things is about all you can really spend time in. When I say things, I'm talking about titles, things that that identify who you are, okay? I'm a son, you know, I'm a brother. I'm all those things. But at, at this point in my life, those three that I showed you, I have to spend the most the, the most time in because that's where God's called me to now. Does that make sense? I'm not saying you can't have those other titles. Don't hear me wrong. But where do you want to see fruit, okay? Where do you want to see fruit? Um, number seven, you can't be fair by doing, this is important, parents listen to this one. You can't be fair by being and doing the same to and for everyone because everybody's different and needs different things. Now, that's hard for a child in a home to understand, but it doesn't make it any less true. In coaching, you can see it. There are players in coaching who need me as their coach to get on them and rule them with an iron rod. You understand what I'm talking about? They need they need, they need to be nervous a little bit all the time about what coach is going to say or think. There are other players in coaching who do not need at all anybody to be getting on them. All they need is a little direction and a little encouragement, okay? Because they're built different. They're made different. They come from different backgrounds. The same thing is true in your home. Your children aren't the same. If you treat them exactly the same, you're going to find that you're, you're going to be disappointed in the in the results that you get. You need to spend enough time with that child that you figure out who they are, and that you know what motivates them, what what pulls their what is their triggers, where where's their comfort zone. You know what I mean? I heard something yesterday that has nothing to do with the sermon, but uh, talking about pain tolerance. Where's your pain tolerance? No, it's two days ago. And people who say, "Oh, I have a high pain tolerance," guess what? They don't. <laughs> you know. And people who say, "I don't know." You know, usually they have a pretty high pain tolerance. But but anyway, 
people are different, okay? People are different. And you can't you can be fair and consistent and be right biblically, you know, not sinning, not not doing something crazy, and still be and treat people just a little different uh, because they had different needs. And the last one, you cannot lead through manipulation. Have you ever tried that? You ever tried leading through manipulation or intimidation? My first two or three years of coaching, it was intimidation. And then I ran into a foreign exchange student who was about six, seven. He was 18 years old and I was 23 and he was more mature than I was. He was, and when I try to intimidate him, it's almost like he'd laugh at me. He wouldn't do it because he had enough respect for me not to, but it was, he was just like, really? Because he had seen things that I hadn't seen. He had seen his grandparents, uh, murdered in his living room when, when he was in uh, uh, Bosnia. He had seen all kinds of things and lived on his own for several years with his sister just to avoid the war over there because it traveled. And what I didn't realize then was I can't, I can't coach this young man with intimidation. And so you got to understand that you can't lead through manipulation and intimidation. And you can get some short-term results, but you can't do that and get long-term results. Your children, parents, will eventually figure it out, and they'll get to an age where they'll say, I ain't dealing with this anymore, okay? Remember, what are the most two, two most powerful tools you have at your disposal? What are they? Love and patience, okay? Love and patience, all right? And then I'll say grace, too, on top of that, but little tidbits about leadership. It's difficult to leave further than you've gone yourself. I used to keep this in my wallet, and I always thought, well, this is going to hold me back and keep me from succeeding because I've never succeeded before. That's not what that means. It basically means that you can't teach things in a home or a church or anywhere else that you don't believe and, and attempt to live out yourself. You hear what I'm saying? And so when you start thinking about influencing people, I can't tell my players, hey, look, I can be transparent with y'all, right? Y'all don't care, do you? I can't tell my players, listen, leave alcohol and drugs alone. It ain't good for you. And then them see me at, at the local, you know, food store, you know, whatever. I'm not condemning any of that. That's your choice. That's between you and God. But I'm just saying I can't speak one word and live another. Okay. Is that a constant challenge for you all? I'm not talking about alcohol and drugs. I'm talking about maintaining a standard of living that's, that's right. It is for me. I, I constantly am, am bombarded with, oh, my gosh, I shouldn't have said that. Most of mine's with my mouth. I don't know about you all. But it's difficult to lead further than you've gone yourself. Okay? It's, it's foolish to expect somebody to obey your word and ignore your example. You ever heard that? That's foolish. You know, to expect somebody to do what you say but ignore what you do. Don't be known for what you're for. I'm sorry, for what you are against, but be known for what you're for. That goes back to this uh, social media arguing. Don't get so caught up in trying to combat the world's issues because the world's going to have issues. It had them from Adam and Eve. It had, it's been a long time ago it happened. Okay, Be known for what you're for. State the truth in love. Never value your point more than you value the person. If it gets to a place where it's causing relational tension and problems with some people or somebody that you love or are called to love and we're called to love each each and every everybody that we come into contact with but when it creates tension and problems back off and value the person and ask god to pour down his spirit on their mind you, you see what i mean ask god to go before you god go before me and, and, and work on this leanne and i talk about that all the time because we get frustrated with certain things and then we're just like whoa back up 
Let's let God deal with that before we do. Okay? How many of you have ever spoke up on something too quickly and it caused harm? Yeah, me too. Even though you were right. You see what I mean? So be very careful, and when you do speak, know that it's God's leading. Very important. Don't value your point over you, the person. It's impossible to be strong in public if you're not strong in private. It goes That goes back to uh, some things that, that I've already spoke about. I had a gentleman, uh, Doug Humphreys, who I coached his boys, and then uh, he took. He was a deacon and, and a leader in our church, and I was a young man with a, a wife, and I think Drew was born at that point in time, but he saw that I was taking on way too much stuff. And one day he told me, and I'll, I'll, I think it's the next slide, he said, you need to learn the word no. And I said, what do you mean? He said, uh, no's a powerful word. He said, uh, some things you need to, people are going to ask you to do all kinds of little things in a church or wherever, and that's kind of what was going on. There was responsibilities in a church. And he said, you, you've got other responsibilities that trump those. He said, no's a powerful word. And isn't that true? Yeah, there's some there's some power in the word no, and it might hurt some people's feelings or make them make them think that you don't care about the organization. But I'm not real concerned about any organization except the one God's called me to. Correct? Isn't that, isn't that what we should be? Yeah, because at that point in time, uh, I'll be judged for the things that God's called me to, not you, and vice versa. But no is a powerful word. People will not care how much you know until they know how much you care. You've heard that many times, and I think these three things. Uh, biblically speaking, God addresses in His Word. Number one is truth. I believe that love looks like truth. You know, no, no, no child is going to become something that that uh, that God's created them to, to be if we manipulate them and lie to them their whole life. You know, and so pay attention to the words that you speak and things you say. Now, grace is one of those things that's giving somebody something they don't deserve. I think that looks like love, don't you? Because if you gave me what I really, truly deserve, and some of you sitting here, I've offended before, and I've hurt. But in, in and through grace, you have forgiven me, and, it's, and, and, and we're good. Because grace has given people things that they don't deserve. If we held a, people accountable on a, on a checklist of everything they say or do, and we say you get to a certain point, and then we say, I'm done with you, isn't that what the world teaches? You hurt me, I'm done with you. Man, try living that way all your whole life. You'll be lonely real soon. But the Bible says that we're to forgive not seven times, but seven times 70. Now, don't literally think that's 490. That's not what the Lord's saying there. He's saying that should never run out. Okay? And so grace is love. And then I think time as well. Don't, don't tell me how much you love me. Show me. Kids say that without saying it. They don't say it. They don't know to say it. They're kids. They're still becoming. You know the part in the Bible where it says faith like a child? You know, uh, a child's faith is, is genuine and pure. You know, if I tell a child at a certain age a certain thing uh, that Bigfoot is real, they're going to believe it. You see what I'm talking about? And some of you were told that at a young age and you still believe Bigfoot's real. And that's cool too. <laughs> I'm not judging that. <laughs> he said, you mean he's not? <laughs> John. But it's important to spend time. Everything starts in the mind. Would you agree? Starts in the mind. You must protect what you allow your eyes and your ears to see and hear because it will take residency in your heart. You've got to be very careful what you allow to go into your mind. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says this. We demolish, Paul says, we demolish arguments 
How many of you have been in arguments over what you believe in the past five years? Everybody. Okay, even young people, maybe at a certain degree. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. So if God says, I come from an animal, okay, or no, if the world says, I come from an animal, but the Bible says that I was created by the hand of God in my, before I was ever created in my mother's womb, he knew me. Okay, then it, that pretension sets itself up against the knowledge of the Word of God that tells me I am a special creation made from God, then I need to tear it down before it goes to my heart. You see what I'm saying? Uh, And we take captive every thought. It's important that you take captive every thought. What do I mean by that? Young people, here's what it means. It means when I think something that I'm not certain about or something that the world's telling me or my friends or whatever, I need to take that thought captive, pull it out here and look at it, and then go to somebody that can help me compare it to what God says. And if it doesn't agree, you get rid of it. You don't even ponder the thought. You get rid of it, okay? And as you mature and grow, and older folks, the same, same for us. It's the same for me, too. When it don't sit right with my spirit, because I got the Spirit of God living in me, and I hope you do, too. And when the Spirit of God says, ooh, that ain't real good, my stomach starts turning. And I have to take that thought and think, was this right? And so I can compare it to this. I can seek out godly wisdom. And it, Paul says in one full statement, I'm going to say it again, we demolish arguments and everything that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. If you'll learn to do that, you'll find that your life will produce more fruit because your heart will be filled with the word of God and good things from above. Okay? Your thoughts will become your words. If you think on something long enough, you'll start talking about it. Your words will become your actions. Your actions will become who you are, your character. And then your character will produce a legacy. And my question to you today is, do you want to leave a job for somebody to clean up when you leave this place? Or do you want to leave a legacy? Something for other people to admire and and to to try to follow. And so that's that's a question I have for you. I believe that less is more. And I believe if y'all experience that, in coaching, I'll tell you this, early on for about seven or eight years, I tried to, i go to coaching clinics and try to implement everything I found, and I finally realized that I can't do that. I have to implement what, what I can teach and what I can monitor and what I can, uh, you know, what I can believe to work. But anyway, and, and those are just some good things, and I think that last one's a positive, a, a, a extremely powerful thing. Criticize less and praise more. Find those things that, that are done well. And in parenting, we, we get caught so many times in seeing things that we don't want in our children's lives. And we, we pick them out and we pull them. Well, be careful. The Bible also talks about not pushing your children to a point of uh, being angry with you. Okay? And so uh, study that a little bit. Life is tough, young folks. There are many blessings that we will never obtain if we're unwilling to accept and endure suffering. It is from suffering that the strongest souls emerge. Too many people want rainbows, but they despise the rain. Y'all ever heard that? Yeah, you can't get the rainbows without the rain. I love this one. I'm about finished. Uh, Don't wait around looking for an opportunity. Go find a way or make a way. And I've got plenty of examples in my family and my life of folks who have pushed doors down of limitation, things that people have, limitations people have put on me sometimes. I had a I had a dear friend tell me one time, he was older than me, that I was in the wrong business, that I needed to get out of coaching. And I was just about four or five years in, and I believed him. <laughs> Did 
just to be honest with you, deep in my heart, I was like, man, he's right. I'm terrible, you know. And and sometimes the enemy will use those well-meaning people, but I eventually found a way, you know, and, and I got to a place where I felt comfortable doing what I did. But I think that's a powerful thing, young folks. Uh, don't sit around waiting for somebody to give you something. You know. uh, go find a way. Your title and your idols are of this world. Would you agree? Yeah, your title and your idols are of this world. But your values last much longer. So be known for what you value, not for your title. Don't be seeking after, don't be stepping on people on your way to the top. You know what I'm talking about? And that's a challenge for everybody. And sometimes we mess up in that. But of all the roads you take in life, one of my favorite uh, quotes is make sure that uh, some of those are dirt roads. Don't always expect a paved road. But lastly, I want to talk to you about wisdom because I believe as we go, and last week we talked about what is our New Year's, what are we going to do for the New Year? You know, go give and gather, gather together. So we're gathered together today. And when I talk about going, I think anytime we walk forward in life, we need to do it with purpose and we need to do it in wisdom. And so, hey, God, chapter one, verse seven, our verse for the day says to give careful thought to your ways, give careful thought to your ways. Okay, and it starts with the belief system. Evaluate your belief system. Proverbs four, seven, eight says this, get wisdom and in all you're getting, get understanding. Here's what that means. First, seek to understand where he is coming from and then be understood. And that's what happens, young married folks, when you get older and you make it. You learn to view life or view the situation from your spouse's perspective. You step into their perspective. Now, did you know that's why Jesus came? Did you know that if God wouldn't have sent his son here to become a human in, a, in the form of a baby, did you know that he would have never known what it was like to be tired? Now you say, well, God knows everything. Sure he does. In his eternal state, though, he never sleeps and he never slumbers. And it's through Jesus Christ in the flesh that he come to us and says, hey, I understand what it means to be tired. I understand what it means to be tempted. I understand what it means to be lonely. Jesus says, I understand what it means to be hurt. I understand what it means to lose loved ones. I understand what it means to be questioned. Matter of fact, Jesus, when he was born, there was a target on him. He was a king. Kings, we think about palaces and, 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 and riches and protection. But when he was born, there was a target placed on him then. You remember that? King Herod? We talked about that a few weeks ago. And until the cross, all the way up through, he, the, the, the world was hunting him, you know? Uh, and so I think about that. That's why the Lord came, so he could step into our perspective. But it says about wisdom to exalt her, to exalt wisdom, and she will promote you. She will bring you honor when you embrace her. And that's speaking speaking of wisdom. we got a special treat for you today, and I'm going to let Miss Ambria come up. But uh, as she comes up, I'm going to... Uh, after she gets up here, I'm going to pray for us. And uh, if you guys have anything you'd like to discuss, I, I, listen, I'm a new pastor. And one of the things that, I, that I'm challenged by is how to introduce and how to uh, close a service, okay? I grew up with an altar call at the end of every service. And some of you really like that, and I understand that. But as soon as I can get real comfortable with that, I'll do it. But uh, I'm just going to sit here and tell you, if you need to be saved, that is accepting the Lord in your heart and believing that God sent him and that he died and all that stuff and that he was raised on the third day and you confess that with your mouth. If you need to do that, come and see me after the service and we'll go downstairs if you want to and we'll talk about that. Uh, but if you have a prayer request or anything you'd like for me to pray with you uh, for, that is why I'm here, okay? And so we're going to close service with a song a cappella. is that correct?
And so I'm gonna pray, and uh, and and then I'm gonna let her sing sing this song a cappella. Is that is that all? Is that cool? All right, Heavenly Father, thank you for this word today. God, help us to live with purpose. God, there was a whole bunch of stuff in that presentation, and God, I pray that whatever piece that we needed to hear, that you uh, that you will plant that in 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 people's hearts, help them to take it home. God, for me personally, it's it's really a convicting word. There are many places in there that I fall short. And so uh, I'm sure everybody else feels the same way. So we present our lives to you and ask that you would uh, help clean us up, help us to walk with purpose, help us to walk with integrity, help us to, to keep our word. And God, we, we give you thanks for your word. Uh, God, I pray for Ambry as she sings. And I pray that you would uh, bless her and bless this church through song. And Lord, as we, uh, as we dismiss today with song, I just pray that you would feed our spirit as we go throughout this week and help us to grow. Thank you for the babies and the children. And God, I thank you that uh, we have so many of those uh, in our church. God, lead us now as we, as we go throughout this week. We love you and praise you in your name. Amen.